Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Monday, the 9th of November, 2020. Be very thankful that you did not know junior high Ben Blakey. He was a very interesting individual, and he was proof that uh, it is entirely possible to think too much. That was me in junior high, right? I I would take something and I would think about it and kind of chew on it until there was nothing left to chew on and try to chew some more on it. And I would kind of tie my brain and my my whole insides into knots thinking about things and kind of frankly getting bent out of shape about things and especially some things when it came to the Bible. I, one question I would think about entirely too much and just run in circles with was, well, how can I know if I am really a Christian? And I would think about that and, you know, I would look at what the, the Bible would say and say, well, you, okay, I guess, hey, I, I, I should be seeing fruit in my life if I'm a Christian. But then I would kind of understand, well, but I know I'm saved by faith and not by works. And, oh no, I see sin in my life. Well, that doesn't mean I'm not saved because I'm saved by faith and not by works, but oh, but my works prove my salvation. And so if there's sin, then maybe I'm not saved. And, and you can see it was, uh, you know, I much greater respect at this point in my life for my dad who had to guide me through some of those uh, troublesome years, mostly troublesome in my own mind, um, but just tying myself up in knots, running around in circles about these questions. And maybe that's something some of you can relate to at some point in your life, but I'm very thankful, even going all the way back to those years for some things my dad said to me. And one thing that I'll never forget and something I've even repeated many times and said from the pulpit as we've taught through the word at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, was when he would look at me and say, Ben, when we think about our salvation and our works, what we look for is the direction of our lives, not the perfection of our lives. And that is a good word, uh, and, and that's something I hope helps you. And we're going to see in a couple of the passages that we look at today. We have to remember, the Bible clearly teaches we are saved by faith and not by works. But we don't, cannot earn our salvation. But the Bible is also clear that our works are a testimony. They are fruit of our salvation. And if there are no works, well, then we have to ask the question, are we really saved? But that can get tricky because none of us is without sin. So what do we do? Does that sin mean in my life mean that I am not genuinely a Christian? And that's where my dad would wisely say, look at the direction of your life, not the perfection of your life. We're going to see that in a couple passages today. First, John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20, which begins with this famous verse that we recently looked at at church, where Jesus speaks and likely in the midst of the Feast of Tabernacles, likely likely in the courtyard of the temple at night as these huge candles were lit, lighting up the whole city of Jerusalem. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And there we see Jesus. I mean, one, that's just an amazing claim that he is the light of the world. We spend a lot of weeks 
looking at that as a church, even then looking at the following miracle that we're going to get to in a couple days in our reading of this man who was born blind. But Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But look at the statement with which he follows that. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I want you to notice those are statements not about perfection, but statements about direction. Jesus is saying it is impossible to really follow me and walk in darkness. He didn't say, oh, whoever follows me is never going to stumble or never going to sin again. No, but whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And I think that's an important distinction for us to understand and us to make. We need to realize that there is no understanding in the Bible that would let us think someone can be truly saved, yet walk in darkness. And again, that is a directional statement. And we're also going to see statements like this as we turn to 1 John. And we see statements like this kind of all over 1 John. We already saw some yesterday in chapter 1, but we are going to see it again today in chapter 2 as we look through verses 1 through 14. And I want to point it out there in chapter 2, verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And so again, I think these are directional statements. If someone claims, I know Jesus, basically if someone claims to be a believer, but they do not keep his commandments, and again, not about perfection, but about direction, then the truth is not in him. And how do I know that he's not talking about perfection? Well, let's go back to verse one of chapter two. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So he's writing these things so that we wouldn't sin. But when we do sin, we have an advocate. We have a helper. We have someone who has given us his righteousness. And so we see the direction of our lives is we're pursuing Christ. Uh, my dad would always say perfection, not direction. One thing, uh, the pastor of the church that sent me out, Pastor Mike Fabares, he would often say that when we become a Christian, we don't become sinless, but we should sin less. And that's kind of the picture that we see in 1 John. No, we don't become sinless, but there is a change of direction. And if we don't see that change of direction, then we should question, is the salvation genuine? But that's my encouragement to you today is, hey, do you see that change of direction in your life? If so, that that's a good thing. And as we see, well, hey, there's not perfection, then what we want to do is, as we see those sins, we want to confess them to God. He is uh, a forgiving God and we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sins. And then we're free to continue pursuing that righteousness, pursuing Christ. Even when we fail, we'll get back up and we will keep on going because the direction of our lives has been changed. The light of the world has has shined on us and we can't walk in the darkness 
anymore. So there's something to remember. What's this role of works with our salvation? Well, if someone is truly saved, we won't see perfection, but there should be a change in direction. Now, we want to look at the Old Testament passages today, and first we're going to look at Ezekiel 1 through 4. So we're starting a new book. So let me say some things just by way of introduction to the book of Ezekiel. Uh, So one thing to note, it seems that Ezekiel's ministry is actually based in captivity, you know, in the area of Babylon. But when he starts that ministry, the temple has not yet been destroyed. So when the the Babylonians kind of conquer the southern kingdom and take people away into captivity, you need to realize that happened somewhat in phases. Uh, Obviously, it culminates in the total destruction of Jerusalem and of the temple, but some people had already been taken into exile before that, and that is the context for the prophet Ezekiel. And what we see today, kind of in the first couple chapters, is his call. Chapter one is a little bit hard to understand, but the general idea with, with this whole thing that he sees kind of in the sky, it's almost that I think it's best to understand it as the base of God's throne, right? That God's throne is showing up to Ezekiel. And then it finally, at the end, he kind of looks up, he sees the, the glory and It says, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. So maybe similar to Isaiah, where he gets a vision of the glory of God and he falls on his face. And then God calls him to be, to be his mouthpiece. And even we kind of see in one instance that God basically says, Hey, I'm going to make your, your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth. You're not going to be able to speak unless I am telling you to speak. And in chapter three, he gives this picture, Ezekiel, you're going to be my watchman and you're going to be my messenger. And he gives the illustration, hey, if the watchman is on the wall and he sees the enemy coming and he doesn't say anything, well, then he's got blood on his hands. But if the watchman is on the wall, he sees the enemy coming and he says something, but people don't listen to him. Well, then that's not his fault. And that's what his message there to Ezekiel. And again, I think there's something unique about his role as a prophet for sure, but I think there is something for us to glean from that, that we know the gospel, we know that judgment is coming. If we don't warn people, what does that say about us? And is that a problem on our end? And I think, yes, it is. And then finally, in chapter four, one thing we're going to see is the first of many things that Ezekiel does as as symbolic actions. And here he's told to, to lie on his side. And this is symbolic of what is going to happen uh, to Jerusalem and the judgment that is coming. And we're going to see more of that in the coming days. But that gets you started with the book of Ezekiel. A prophet who sees the glory of God, who is called to be his watchman. And initially, he is going to be prophesying about the destruction that is coming on Jerusalem. And, and that's a very sad thing. And we should see that it's a very sad thing as we wrap up with Psalm 122. Psalm 122, a psalm of David, he says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Another song of ascents, even just praising and being excited about the physical location of Jerusalem and the temple and to be going there to worship God. And it was 
that thing that was should have been so precious that was destroyed. And that is what Ezekiel is going to be talking about. That should be another reminder us to us of the devastating consequences of sin. And I think with some of the images we're going to eventually get to in the book of Ezekiel, we're going to see the ugliness of sin. But also, as we think about what do we do with Psalm 122, well, there is no temple in Jerusalem today. And for us, worshiping does not require us to go to Jerusalem to worship. I love going to Jerusalem. It's an awesome place to go. I love, you know, I've read this Psalm in Jerusalem and been excited, man, I'm excited to be standing within the gates of Jerusalem, but you don't need to go to Jerusalem to be a faithful Christian. So how does this passage apply to you? Well, I think in a few ways, but just one to highlight, clearly, I think it's praising and prizing, cherishing the role of corporate public worship. And we see in the New Testament, the church is referred to as the house of God. Is gathering with your local church something that you cherish? Are you glad when people say to you, let us go to the house of God? Uh, let, Let us be reminded of what a privilege it is to gather with God's people and to worship him together. Even remember earlier this year, a few weeks where we weren't able to physically do that. May we never take that for granted. May our hearts always be glad when we go to the house of God, when we gather with God's people to worship him, to praise the God who has changed the direction of our lives, to give glory to the light of the world. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.